Hi, this is Betsy Beers. I'm the executive producer of Grey's Anatomy Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder. And this is Shondaland Revealed, the official Shondaland podcast for TGIT. Thank God, goodness, whatever you want to call it is Thursday. And today I have an amazingly cool and wonderful actor who's joining me, who took time out of her busy schedule to come all the way in here and talk about certainly one of my favorite shows, and I think some of your guys' favorite shows, Grey's Anatomy, and that is Kelly McCreary, who plays Maggie Pierce, which is so freaking cool (laughs) that you came in. Oh, it's my pleasure. And let me just tell you guys and gals and peoples, Kelly's wearing an awesome outfit today. <laughs> she is wearing, because as you know, it's a tradition. I like to tell you what people are wearing so you feel like you're here. And now you look awesome. You've got like a really cute kind of headband on. And she's wearing kind of a cute sleeveless slouchy top with, cre- it's like a cream color. And it's got almost a Mexican design on it. It's like embroidered. It's like embroidered pink and blue and red. Yeah. And then these super cool... Pumpkin-y pants. Would you say pumpkin? Yeah, I would call them pumpkin or somewhere between pumpkin and mustard. Yeah, and some really cute brown kind of flat sandals. So she's pretty much rocking it. One of us <laughs> brought our fashion game up today because I'm wearing a rip sweater. So she did way better than I did on that front. But thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. It's so fun to be in Chandeland. If you came over here to the Chandeland offices and we're we're going to have a good time talking about this episode. Now, this was a double episode. Unexpectedly double. Kind of unexpectedly yeah. double. That kind of came about in the most amazing way, which yeah. is we just had so much story to tell, we turned it into two episodes. Yeah. We, of course, covered a year in the life of everybody, Meredith, you guys. And it's been a really emotionally hard couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. Who are you telling? I mean, really for me, <laughs> <you telling>? like... <laughs> It's, I mean, these last couple of weeks were, between the shock of it and then the the actual grief, I think we've hit a high point in terms of sadness. Mm -hmm. But for me, it started actually all the way back with the Japril baby. That's when I basically was unable to watch an episode of Grey's Without Crying. That's when it started. Yeah. That, that was that was a rough go. And Dr. Herman. You <laughs> see, what's just... funny about the fact that she lived, to me, was this gigantic victory. Yeah. So that she walked away blind. I know that some people, I mean, look, I love Gina Davis more than the next person, but I was super pleased she lived because I just kept thinking all the information and knowledge she has that she can share with people and losing her sight was, was terrible, but... She had a big-ass brain tumor that was eating up her skull, and that Amelia Shepard just saved her life. Yeah, exactly. Amelia Shepard. And Amelia Shepard needed that. She needed, she needed that, that win. win. so bad. She did. And it was sort of like, that was like Amelia's coming of age, which yeah. is like so super terrific. And I thought it was really, really cool. So I always put that one in the, in the sad category. I put that in kind of the, the loss and the win. Sure, bittersweet. Sure, sure. It was bittersweet. It was like, it was sort of ironic. Without Isn't the, it? Without the, I don't think it technically is. No. It's like that song. In the Alanis Morissette way, it's ironic. That's what I was about to say. It's really actually ironic. not really ironic. Because <laughs> I don't think rain on your wedding day is ironic technically. <laughs> No offense to <laughs> those of you who love that song. I, uh, and I am one of them. I love that song. It's a I karaoke too, favorite. But I, did, I did question the irony aspect of things, yeah. kind of literally. You can't listen too closely. No, you can't. You know, you just have to get the vibe of it. I think <laughs> exactly. the spirit of it was about irony more than absolutely anything else. But I, I, look, I think you're right. I think that was, that was just incredibly rough. And I know, look, Cali and Arizona have not oh had an easy gosh. year of it. But they've been sort of growing and changing. And I'm just really excited about, like, Richard and Catherine. Me and, too. 
Ben and Bailey because that's been a nice kind of thing to watch too. I loved watching in last episode the chemistry between Jason George and Chandra Wilson. I just root for them so much. They just understand each other. They're open. They're loving. It's just beautiful to watch them together. So it was, And it was such an interesting way, I thought, of continually going back to the different seasons and their happy relationship, but the conversation that they're having, which is handled in such a funny and both flippant and sincere way, but it's such a real conversation to have with your spouse when you're touched by death. Totally, and I love that it took place over the course of an entire year, because those conversations don't just happen, (laughs) and those problems don't just get solved in the course of an hour of television, like we frequently see it, you know? it's, It's, these are major issues, you know? No, it's, it's true. Playing God. I think that going on at the same time, like the funny thing about these, these podcasts is I'm the show's biggest fan. So it's weird <laughs> as I work on the show, but also because I'm this weird, creepy fan about everything. I get all excited about this stuff. And I got to say like that compared with what Japril are going through in terms of her leaving and then coming back and him trying to wrap his brain around what she was doing, but yeah. to see her find herself like that, you know, in the military, but that's a hard road for a relationship too. As much as I just want to see some recovery for her after the baby. But you know, that's one of the great things about this show is that it it puts on display the real the nature of real relationships in such a an insightful way. People change in their relationships and it's, it's and it challenges the relationship and you got to figure out, you know, whether you're growing together or growing apart and, you know, that's that's real. People experience no, you're, that every you're right. day. I think that's what's amazing about this particular episode to me, which is it's in the year watching how Derek's death has affected everybody, oh how some people like Amelia shove it down inside themselves and figure out eventually that it comes out in the most upsetting and just gut-wrenching dangerous, way. Possibly dangerous Possibly dangerous way. because yeah. if you folks all remember from private practice, that was an issue. Like that Oxy thing was not funny and she lost the love of her life. So for her to even be vaguely driving down that turnpike because she can't express her feelings is, is incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. And I think watching Meredith go away, it's so painful to watch the character that you play and Justin as Alex and Callie and everyone else be so hurt by the fact she left but how interesting that she had to process this on her own and she had a baby yeah and going through that alone is what it's the only way she knows how to to go through traumatic experiences like this it was modeled for her it's you know it's behavior that we've seen her exhibit in the past too and so from an audience perspective of course you know she might do that but for poor Maggie (laughs) I was just about to say like I look at the loss the double loss, which is mm-hmm. like, all right, so this horrible thing happens and Derek dies and he, God, God bless him, he dies a hero and mm-hmm. he dies saving so many lives and so beautifully and so nobly, he dies and everyone's left with two losses because mm-hmm. Meredith leaves, I mean, your sister leaves, you've basically come to... The only reason the only I'm reason. even there. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I mean, one of two reasons, Richard, of course, being the other. And and in addition to the loss, there's the real instability. Like, there's a sense among everyone that, like, something has changed, something has shifted, and we don't know how, how we're all going to end up out of this. And we need some help to get through it. And, you know, Maggie reaches out to Alex, and Callie has that beautiful realization with the, her long-term patient. And, and the loss is experienced by all of these people on like 
all of these different levels and it's just, it's so well done, I thought. And that because it's a full year, you get a certain amount of like closure and I think acceptance, which is what I thought was so brilliant about the full year is you take this year and you watch what all of you guys go through and you come out on the other end and everyone's prepared to work again. Now you guys, that doesn't mean that there are not more amazing things coming in this particular storyline. You've, you've got a few things coming down the line which are I'm not going to say, but it's I really know. good. I know. I'm so excited about them. Can I, I'll say that? Yeah, say you that. sure can. You can. Yeah, um, totally. I'm so excited. Well, you know, I think I sort of was just alluding to this, but one of the things that's born of this shift in the hospital is new relationships being formed. And so yep. those are professional and personal relationships. And you're going to get to see some really great teamwork. Can I say that? I think you totally can. Okay. Poor TV's Dr. Maggie has been trained by Shondaland <laughs> to be frightened to open her mouth about anything. <laughs> which is the healthy atmosphere that we like to obviously supply for you guys, but it's sort of like, oh my goodness. Well, I don't um, want to give anything away because you'll enjoy it so much more when you when you see it. So I don't want to spoil anything. It's, and I, the, the next episode, what's great about the rest of the season too, is I think is people keep growing and changing and some amazing stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Like some super, super amazing stuff happens. But I'm like really psyched about the relationship you're developing with Alex actually. Like oh. that, that was like... That was like one of my favorite scenes of all time when you guys were sitting and watching the fireworks. Oh, thanks. Was, I love that scene so much because you're on that swing. You're talking about, like, you're actually able to articulate how you're feeling, which Alex, not as, not as particular about I know. It. It's so funny to hear Maggie, like, wax almost poetic about the sense of loss that she's experiencing and then watch Alex just, like, stab his phone. That's, <laughs> here's, here's what I know how to do. I'll make a phone call. See if this works. I also you know, like the Alex's version of Christmas, <laughs> which is one of my favorite things, too, which is, like, you go into the house and there's this lamest, saddest little string half of lights. Half lit tree. Half lit tree, which is kind of not as much draped as thrown from what you can see and just and how lost everybody is without Meredith there. Oh my there. god, pitiful. Like, just pitiful. <laughs> it's like the most pathetic holiday party. Maggie's like, I brought some hooch. Everybody's like, great. That was the best. <laughs> That at Thanksgiving where everybody's trying to make a turkey and Alex comes in with hamburgers, which I also thought was hysterical, which is it's sort of like without Meredith, everyone's being raised by wolves. Right, exactly. Like she's all the adults the, left. Yeah, she's the glue. And I'm sure like we would all be able to figure out how to make turkeys and, you know, decorate Christmas trees without her. But there's, I think, a lack of motivation oh, or I think inspiration. There's a total lack of motivation, yeah. You know, because she's an important part of our lives. Those were those sorts of cornerstones as to how you move forward and how you kind of try to function and you do what you can. And what I think is really interesting about Maggie is when we first met Maggie, Maggie was top of the world, Ma. Maggie was together. Mm -hmm. She did not suffer fools. She was in and out of ours, just kind of yelping at people. (laughs) As soon as your affection was rejected, you just gave it back as good as you could. And what's been really great to me about the season is watching Maggie sort of deconstruct a little bit. Mm I actually went and watched a surgery and before I started the job and what kind of surgery did you watch? I watched it was a heart surgery, but it wasn't they didn't open the pericardial sac, so I didn't actually get to see the heart. It was they were dealing with removing a tumor that was in the heart and lung, the cardiothoracic oh, that's region. Cool. Yeah, it and it was a massive, nasty looking tumor, let me tell you. But um, one of the surgeons, the the Bailey of the surgery, so she was the general surgeon, second surgeon, was is this woman who was the first woman to graduate from the med school at U, either UCLA or USC, I'm forgetting now. But she was like, let me tell you something, women doctors 
you can't mess around. Like, you gotta be all business. It, we don't wanna see any cutesy. If, as she said, as long as there's no cutesiness, I'll believe you. And I thought that that was really interesting because there is, and especially with Maggie being so young for her job and her the experiences that she's had, I thought like that must be something that she has to work against all the time. And then right there in the script, there it was written, you know, you have to bring the thunder when people think that you're too pretty or too cute or too young for your job. And I think that we we saw early on Maggie having to establish herself as a thunderbringer. And over time, it's been really fun to like see her inner child come out a little <laughs> bit and like watch her be really needy and like awkward and and still, when the time comes, you know, really show up as the professional and the woman that she is, you know. But even women have, like, vulnerable little shattered pieces of themselves show up from time to time. No, it's, it's great. <laughs> you know? And also, I think what's great is Maggie has a phenomenal sense of humor. It was one of the Gina Davis episodes where it's like all the women are sitting around talking. It was a lot about figuring out women's anatomy. Uh, ma- maintenance. Yeah, uh-huh. maintenance and, and anatomy. Maintenance. And... That was like one of the first times that I went, okay, now Maggie actually feels comfortable enough just to be Maggie, which was super great. And also, I could see the Ellis Gray, like there was all of a sudden the Ellis Gray started to come out, which was like the actual, the saucy, take no prisoners, kind of screw you side. I think about like the progression with you and the diaries and understanding who Ellis is and that gift that Meredith you know, gives you. There's so many things to love about Ellis and as challenging as Ellis obviously was to be a mom and as a person, as a character, see, there I go again. It's Kate Burton. She plays a part. It's all good. I've done done this really for a while. I should. She was really strong. She was really smart. She was really driven. She had a really wicked sense of humor. She did not suffer fools. Mm -hmm. All things that both her daughters. Yeah. Which I think is so awesome. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite tweets that I've gotten from fans, somebody said, the Ellis is strong in her. (laughs) I was like, yes, she totally is. I'm so glad that that's being recognized. You know, I mean, I think it's such a well-written character that like it kind of snuck up on me. It wasn't until I was watching an episode that I was like, oh my God, that was such an Ellis Gray movie. Over. Wow, Maggie and Meredith are so similar, you know, in, in you so many really ways. You guys really are. Like, They're so similar. You really are. And yeah. It just kind of started happening. I mean, I know you do it, so it's yeah. not like, like it just once again, it's a magical television show and <laughs> she's not doing anything. It's just, a, but you really figured out this way to be your own person because you're raised by your own parents. Yeah. You have an entirely different relationship. Do you talk about you know, a lot. And those were the fine people who I believe sent you a... Sturgeon. A sturgeon. A sturgeon. A fish. A sturgeon. A fish. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. No, right. Exactly. So like she's raised by these people who could not have been different in their parenting from Ellis. Oh, yes. (laughs) Could not have been more different rather. But at the same time, Ellis Gray's brains. And I perceive it as, as a she's got challenges with really having meaningful connections with people. You know, when she gets burned or feels hurt, she shuts people out. And, she likes you know. to sleep alone. Yes, that's right. Exactly. I mean, that story so. which just like tells you everything you need to know about where somebody emotionally is. And what's interesting is you grew up in the warmest family in the world from mm-hmm. the sounds of it. And what do you think, how do you see your father in this character? Richard? Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant my adoptive father. Well, you know, I think Richard is like one of the most compassionate, understanding, patient 
characters, certainly in the hospital, possibly on TV of all time. And I think Maggie has a lot of that. I mean, I think we, we've seen as her relationship with Meredith has grown, how Maggie has contributed to that by just being totally understanding and patient mm-hmm, with mm-hmm, her mm-hmm. Um, as, as Meredith has gone through all this stuff with her marriage and, and, you know, just having somebody there as a sounding board who's not judging and is just offering love and compassion, I think is very much the Richard. You know what else I think? I think Richard has this goofy side. Yes. Like Richard is super goofy. Yes. Oh yeah, there's some really good stuff coming up. And like, you guys, there's some really good stuff coming up. (laughs) But Richard, over the years, I remember having this moment where Shonda realized how funny Jim Pickens is. And at one point, the chief all of a sudden became, when he stopped being the chief, like when he didn't have to be the chief anymore, he was so freaking funny and kind of goofy. And I think... I think genetically Maggie has goof in her. Oh, absolutely. No, I suspect I suspect nurture-wise her goof was also encouraged and you know nurture Certainly. is such a huge part of it, but there is a little bit of Richard goof. Right, right, right. Now, weird question, were you a long time Grey's watcher before you did the show? Yeah, when it came on initially, I watched the first couple of seasons uh, religiously with my you my housemates. I was not little. I'm older than I look, Betsy. You were just a wee little sprout. <laughs> you, were just, you were just a little wee blow. No, I was living with some of my best friends um, from college in my childhood in a house in Harlem. And we watched the show. We taped it, VHS, because it was... I mean, I think TiVo had come around, but we didn't have TiVo. We were too broke for TiVo. And we, we watched it together. On Thursday nights, we'd tape it, and everybody would come home that night, and we'd watch it. I could see very clearly how much ground it was breaking, not just in terms of, like, the makeup of the cast, but the way that the story was told. I mean, we've seen a million hospital dramas in the history of television, and they're all great in their own right, but Grey's had this grit and this representation of women in particular that was... I think unusual in storytelling at the time. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. 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 So I was a huge fan um, early on, and then like I was too broke for television for many years, so like, <laughs> 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 so it kind of fell off. But when I got the job, I binge watched. I did it so dumb. I watched like season ten because I was like, well, I'm in this season. I better figure out what's happening. And then I watched season nine, and then I watched season eight. I was too, like, I was like, I can't go all the way back to season one. Who's got time to watch 200 episodes of television before I start this job? So I just watched them backward. <laughs> so I'm totally confused about the sequence of things, but I've seen pretty much everything <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I was not, not that smart. But um, I, I feel really lucky because this season... I mean, I think Maggie, the character, has had so much support in the writing this season because of all of the flashbacks. They're happening in the same season that Maggie is sort of going along. And so it's like, oh, yeah, that's what, who my mother is and, and what she is, how she dealt with things and what she went through. And it's all like in, in this Maggie's moment. Maggie's learning it's in happening. real time. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, woo, that's lucky. I don't have to figure out which episode it was that... I saw Alice do this, and I can go back, and, you know, I don't have to do that algebra. You know what I forget is how much did we actually tell you about the character when we hired you? Um, you When you hired me, I knew nothing. Yeah, Let me yes. tell you something. <laughs> Let me tell you. That was one of the more harrowing, like, three days of my life because here I was 
being offered this job, and I had I did not even know anything about the character. No, yeah. And I was like, how can I be asked to take this job? I couldn't get a meeting. Shonda was like out of town or something, and yes. she wanted to be the one to tell me about it. But yes. before she got back, I had to shoot something, so I had to take the job before I knew, like before I could know anything. And I oh my was gosh, like, I didn't know that. It was harrowing, Betsy. I had like a total emotional breakdown. I was like, I don't know what to do. What should I do? That's I just, know. oh my God, that's so abusive. Oh my God. Well, you said it. No, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously it has turned out to be perfectly fine and wonderful. But yeah, I didn't know anything until after I had shot the scene when Christina is interviewing Maggie, who, by the way, at the time I thought the character's name was... Oh my God, I forgot. It was, it was a different character name because it would have been what you read. Right. right? It was the dummy sites. It was dummy sites. Okay, yeah. so folks, what we do when we're auditioning, because there's such a veil of secrecy in this phenomenal land in which we live, <laughs> we, we put out sides with fake names and fake storylines. So these poor guys have to audition and they're not even playing their real character. They're just playing somebody who's very similar to their real character. And your name actually changed like three times, I think. My memory over the period was your name sort of trans. Claudette. Claudette. Yes. That was it. Which I'm glad you ended up Maggie. Yeah, Claudette's Claudette. a little bit of a mouthful. A, a beautiful name to all By the, the way, Claudettes out there. the Claudettes, for any fan base that is the Claudette fan base, <laughs> I'd like to say beautiful name, famous old actress Claudette Colbert, beautiful. But I think you're more of a Maggie. Yeah, I think the character is more of a Maggie. So you made a gigantic leap of faith by taking this job. And I just want to tell you, you're not alone in that because I think yeah. we've, had, we've had several hires Maybe one of the most famous being Kyler Lee, who also, like, we hired, she flew down from someplace incredibly crazy she was living. We sat down with her. We stared at her. We said, do you want to be on the show? She said, yeah. She said, what am I playing? We said, we can't tell you anything. And she was Meredith's sister. And she <laughs> pretty much found out the well, day she how about that So symmetry. we seem to, we seem to do this in, in an annoyingly rapid rate. But you know what? You guys, it works out really, really well. And you, you actors are so amazingly cool about it, too, that... You've been so lovely and filled with faith. And especially because then we tell you, you say, well, so now what happens to my character? And we say, we don't know. Yeah, I've tried to be like, I'm cool with that. I'm totally cool with that. That's fine. And also, I've been able to be really cool with it because I don't, I'm not going to walk in here and be like, here's what I want Maggie to do. I don't know. We don't know who Maggie is yet, you know? That's right. It's sort of being laid out for me. So, but next season will be different. I'm going to oh, be knocking right. on your door every day. Oh, you know, no, just kidding. <laughs> Do you have a favorite scene that you've shot this season that you can think of or one of your favorite scenes? Yeah, I mean, I think my favorite scene to shoot is still the scene from the season premiere with Richard at the vending machine. I love that scene. I think that was one of my, one of my favorite scenes to shoot. I think a week and a half or two weeks into learning about Maggie and I feel like everything just dropped in that day. I felt free, and Kevin is such a great director that he gave me some really great stuff. That's Kevin and, McKidd, our favorite thespian yeah. slash director, along with Chandra Wilson, who also does the same double duty. Yeah, Kevin directed that episode, and it was really, really helpful in plumbing some extra depths that's great. with Maggie. Yeah, See, that's so super cool. Yeah. Now, most of the fan base should remember that you were in Scandal. Two episodes of Scandal. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so you, you were in Scandal, so you kind of knew what you were getting into. In terms of the mystery factor? Yes. 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 So, much. in fairness, you, you'd driven down that turnpike slightly and <laughs> kind of knew the rules, which were <laughs> nobody knows anything until they know anything. Yeah. But so if you could actually create a character to plan how to get away with murder, what would that be? Ooh. Because when you think about it, that would be the trifecta. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, if I was gonna be on How to Get Away with Murder, well, my brain immediately goes to who do I wanna play scenes with, but everyone is so fantastic that I would wanna play scenes with everybody. So a rival, a rival attorney, attorney slash professor who kind of is like the upstart wannabe Annalise who is coming for her. We're both making like tiger faces right yes. now. So just you can picture this. We're both making scratchy things with our hands and making tiger faces. Because that's such a good idea. That's a good idea. That's a really good you idea. You can have that. So I'm just wondering if I can speak to myself and see if we can get you out on an episode of Grey's so we can do this exactly. Oh my God. That would be dope. Um, I think the fans would be very confused yeah. at that point probably. I know. Wait, someone asked me recently like how, would, or not that recently, a few, several episodes ago, like how, what do you want for the season finale? I said, wouldn't it be cool if like President Fitz came to fetch Derek back and said, like, you have to come. And the interviewer was like, yeah, but they don't exist in the same universe, so make another choice. <laughs> Those two shows, right? Like, our president on the show is President Obama. It's not like, on Grey's, it's not President Fitz. And like, what if Sally Langston is not Alice Gray? And it's confusing, and Jeff Perry's not have her it dad. That way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now it's, I think we've already, I sit and think, gosh, we've already. We love the actors that we love, and so we just keep all trying to figure out as many ways to use you guys as possible. Katie loves who every ten seconds we're like, try this, be that person, oh, you know, or Liza, or. I love that. But it's so funny because you really can't cross pollinate the two, but no. you do in the back of your head every once in a while, kind of go, boy, that would be funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be a really odd. I moment. just do like a night of like just being silly with the episodes and like having everything cross mingling and. The the, could we? the the ripple episode. Yeah, you know, the ripple episode. The, the, the alternate universe the alternate episode. Universe episode. Yeah. <laughs> TGIT alternate universe TGIT edition. alternate universe, exactly. Yeah. Hashtag alternate universe. <laughs> Hashtag which show am I in? Thank you so much for doing this, this and taking so the fun. time to do it. See, it's yeah. like I just learned a bunch of stuff that I didn't even know. See, which is amazing because I work here. That's not a really great compliment to me. Seriously, I'm really good at my job sometimes. It's just apparently I'm not absorbing enough. Um, okay, so next time in Grey's Anatomy, it's amaze balls. There are a bunch of stuff happens, oh and I'm not going to tell you what it is, but there's a gigantic Terrific. thing that happens, which is just an amazing thing to watch. It's so good. And Maggie specifically, some stuff happens. I think you guys are going to be really, really interested in what happens there. And a lot goes on, so do not miss this episode. And Scandal... I'm going to say kind of the same thing, which is it's called A Few Good Women, which I think is just an awesome title. Love it. Love that title. And I don't know. You know, we got Millie's Senate campaign. We got this B-16 stuff going on. There's some big surprises in this week's episode. And remember, you guys, these are the penultimate episodes, meaning we've got, I know you know what this means, but I'm going to say it anyway. We've got one more episode before the season finales for these shows. So the main thing is that you watch them. It's Thursday, May 7th, 8 to 9 Grey's Anatomy, 9 to 10, Scandal. It's ABC. It's Thursday. You guys are going to want to check that out. And it's really, this season finale is like the 14th. So don't go out that night. Just just season just finale, in. you guys. Just stay in. Just plan to stay in. Those will be your last moments with us for like for, months. For like months. So. Like months. And you can always, I mean, the great thing is that when you miss us, you can always, you know, get caught up on ABC.com or the Watch ABC app. Like, I miss them. I miss yeah. my friends. So I'm going to go and I'm going to watch it again. So that's a nice sort of way to remind yourself about, who, you know, what, what you're missing and also who you like and also if you missed a story point. And thank you so much for following us on all the different various social platforms. 
And please tell your friends to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes.com backslash Shondaland. So I will be back Thursday with a very special podcast, which is going to involve some pretty phenomenal cast members of a show you love doing something that you love to hear, which is them talking about the show that you love, which you're really going to enjoy. And you won't have to listen to me ramble my ass off for 25 (laughs) minutes. You'll actually get to hear them do something cool. So in the meantime, this is Betsy Beers. I'm the executive producer of Grey's Anatomy Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder, saying thank you very much for listening. Thank you for watching. Have a safe week. Bye-bye.